Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. No duh, right? Here we discuss everything from car news, culture, movies, stories, games, interviews, events, and so much more. Without further delay, on with the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another Viper Week podcast. Today, we are reading an article from a motor trend. It's actually a road test and a comparison between the 2004 Dodge Viper and the 2005 Ford GT. The subheader says, Welcome to the 500 Horsepower Club. So I wanted to do this article for Viper Week primarily because a while ago I had seen, not frequently but not terribly infrequently, people talk about the Gen 3 car in disparaging ways, saying that it didn't perform as good as the Gen 2 car and didn't look as good. And while I can't talk about the looks, because obviously looks are subjective, I did want to tackle the idea that it didn't perform as well as the Gen 2 Viper, that Dodge screwed up with the third generation Viper, and after having skimmed through this road test, this comparison with one of the most beloved cars of the mid-2000s, I felt this was the perfect article for the job. So, let's dig in. Enough talk. You demanded a legit track test showdown between America's 500 horse contenders. We're here to serve. Sorry, Bowtie Boosters, Chevrolet's Corvette sat this one out. Among the world's best performance values, even the 405 horsepower Z06 lacks the beans to tee up on this turf. And, as you can tell from our cover and related article in this issue, a new Corvette is on its way, which creates all sorts of future shootout possibilities. Stay tuned on that front. This is a track test, not a road test. So there won't be any cup holder talk, and we couldn't care less about golf bag capacity. We're here for numbers and an understanding of how these two philosophically and mechanically differing designs and their disparate technical approaches get the job done. Other than the fact that the fabulous Ford and the demonic Dodge are both built in Michigan, USA, they couldn't be more mismatched. The Viper uses a steel chassis with composite bodywork, powered by a front-mounted 8.3-liter naturally aspirated overhead valve V10. Ford's new GT relies on, an, relies on aluminum alloys for its chassis and coachwork and runs a supercharged dual overhead cam V8 mounted amidships. The Viper is a convertible, the GT a coupe. These guys can't agree on anything, therefore a perfect matchup. Our Viper was a production SRT10. The GT assigned to us was prosaically dubbed Engineering CP04. That's confirmation slash certification prototype number four in engineer speak. In other words, something beyond an initial prototype, but not yet a pure production piece either. Of the 15 CPs built, some will be crashed. It's okay to wince here. Some will do emissions duty. Others will serve the powertrain gods. And our gritty, well-worn tester is regularly taken out for torture by the ride and handling teams. Still, it's largely representative of what, a G of what a real GT will perform like, but not quite. 2005 GT production begins this spring. Getting 500 horsepower to the ground on street tires isn't easy. Too many revs and the tires go up in smoke. Too little RPM and the engine bogs and can fall off its power curve. There's usually a 1 to 2 or even tricky 2 to 3 shift to hang things up. But none of that is your problem. It's just our challenge. We're thrilled to report that both the Viper and GT are up to it and then some. Neither the Ford nor the Dodge require a shift before hitting 60 miles per hour, a key ingredient to their respective 3.6 and 3.9 second performances. 
Indeed, 60 arrives just at the crankshaft straining first gear redline in both machines. The Ford's 0.3 second advantage may not sound like a big margin, but in acceleration parlance, it's a lifetime. Things tightened up further down the drag strip. The GT, the GT remained a bumper ahead all the way to 100, which the Viper reached in 8.4 seconds, and the GT hit in just 8.1 seconds. By the time both cars hit the quarter mile traps, the Viper caught its breath and managed to nip the GT by just 110th of a second with a slightly lower trap speed of 123.63 miles per hour versus the GT's 124.31 miles per hour. Yow! Without electronic timing, it'd be way too close to call. Thanks to both players' electronic anti-lock systems, multi-pot calipers, and massive brake rotors, stopping requires far less driver skill than laying down a John Force quality launch. Standing on the GT's pedal from 60 miles per hour nailed six stops all at less than 115 feet with no cooldown in between runs. Brakes take the inertial energy of the vehicle and convert it into a zillion calories of heat energy, which is then dissipated into the air by the rotors. Thomas Reichenbach, the, GT, the GT's vehicle engineering manager, claims the car has stopped in as little as 107 feet during Ford's testing with the brake pads up to maximum temp. We tried several 80-0 stops in an attempt to warm things up a bit. A final 60-0 stop yielded 111 feet, as fade-free and linear feeling as on the first run. Our seatbelt bruises are finally fading, thanks. Although we attempt to keep things as equal as possible, our Viper was tested on what might have been a slightly grippier section of test track pavement. Dodge also equips the car with bigger rubber contact patches. Stopping the Viper was even more like hitting a wall, taking a staggeringly short 97 feet to haul down from 60 to 0. And like the GT, it could repeat the deed over and over with no heat-related fade. That's how far braking and tire technology have come. In the stopping department, the Viper is record-setting. The GT, merely outstanding. We usually address handling and ride at the same time, but obviously, these cars are handling biased to the extreme. We didn't have the opportunity to sample them back-to-back -back on public roads, and this GT was equipped with decidedly non-production carbon fiber bucket seats that gave a false impression of a harder ride than what customers can expect. Between track runs, we gathered some impressions on a variety of smooth and not-so-smooth pavement ribboned throughout our closed-course close test locale. That said, we'll stick our necks out to interpolate that the GT has better ride characteristics than the infamously stiff Viper. The GT has the longer wheelbase, which reduces ride motions. It runs on slightly smaller wheels and tires, which means lower unsprung mass. This also tends to be an asset in ride quality. Another reason the GT prototype prototypes hard buckets muddied our impression is because the Viper has comfortable, supportive seats with curb-handy side bolstering. Both of these muscle-slash-sports cars exhibited high levels of grip and impressive handling during our, during our slalom test. Few hot rides can do the 600-foot cone dance as quickly as these two seaters. Anything over 70 miles per hour is serious stuff. This pair qualified, with the Ford nipping the Dodge by 1.1 miles per hour, 71.5 versus 70.4. The GT is so together it somehow feels like it's going slower than it actually is. It takes less time to get friendly with the GT. We learn the handling limits with ease because there's more clear feedback about what's going on where the rubber meets the road. At the limits of adhesion, we could detect even slight chassis yaw earlier in the Ford than in the Viper, and countersteer corrections into the equation. All said, the Ford enjoys better overall chassis balance and a more progressive, precise, and lighter steering feel.
The previous generation Viper had a reputation for PUNISHING slow reacting and inattentive drivers. It had high limits, but they were never reached or communicated to the cockpit in anything resembling a progressive manner. The SRT-10 has much improved on-limit handling behavior and feedback, but the chassis still feels a tad numb, at least compared with the Mongoose Quick GT. With an electronic stability control system to lean on, Viper pilots are well advised to restrict oversteer tricks to the track while keeping the cell phone hol holstered. The views from their respective cockpits are different in many ways, but similar in others. Like the original, Force GT is encapsulating, the driver is enveloped in its cabin, and rearward visibility presents a few blind spots. But it feels great and makes you want to strap on a helmet and whistle down the Mulsanne straight at Le Mans. The Viper, being a convertible, offers a visual version of surround sound. These cars are completely different in the audio department too. The Hyperford burbles in classic V8 tones from out behind you somewhere. The steady rumble overlaid by the barely perceptible whine of the supercharger. The SRT-10 sidepipes spit and warble out their own V10 voice, with mechanical rumblings hard and felt from just ahead of the radio. Forget picking a clear winner here. As an enthusiast, your design or brand preference, or the price difference, is as important as anything we say. And both machines are obviously incredible performers. The Viper's existence spurred Ford's hunger to build a Halo machine, and we hear the future Z06 will have the 500 or so horsepower needed to play around with these two next time. Both cabins offer variations on the black plastic and leather theme, with splashes of aluminum or aluminum-like plastic trim bits to brighten, up, to brighten things up. Each provides a full complement of racing-style instrumentation with the tack centered inside the steering wheel rim, although the GT's gauge faces are black while the Viper has white units. The Dodge's buckets are friendly and supportive, but proven narrow for wider drivers. We'll withhold judgment on the Ford's chairs until we put, put in a 500-mile day on production seating. This pair of 500 horsepower players are screaming bargains when compared with high-ticket foreign goods. It's worth noting that the Viper delivers objective performance generally on par with that of the GT for about 40% less money. The heritage-inspired Ford packs more tech and is a more sophisticated piece, so its higher price is justified. But that in no way diminishes the SRT-10's impressive punch-per-money quotient. Meet you back at the club. Underneath Ford and Dodge's supercars, the GT and SRT-10 space frame construction is somewhat similar. Both rely on a super stiff endoskeleton of strath... Do they mean exoskeleton? No, no, endo, because exo is outside. Endoskeleton of stressed, welded beams. But what them bones are made of differs from a materials and layout standpoint. Ford employs an aluminum frame composed of various extrusions, castings, and stampings wrapped by unstressed aluminum bodywork. The Viper's rigid chassis is a complex, welded steel space frame carrying a mostly non-loaded skin of sheet-molded of sheet and re reaction-injected molded composite plastic. Both cars are functionally, though not technically, mid-engined. Just look at their weight distributions in the spec chart. But the Ford is more obviously so. Neil Hanman, Ford GT's chief program engineer, helped develop them. He describes being part of the Viper and GT programs as once-in-a-lifetime experiences that happened to him twice. He says both required a small, highly dedicated team of empowered enthusiasts to bring the cars to market. The major difference on the GT was the amount of, com of Ford computing power available to do things like stress and thermal analysis. In 1988, 
1989, sorry. In 1989, when we did the Viper, it was just a big room with a bunch of people and drawing boards. With the GT, there wasn't a drawing board in sight. In fact, we didn't even have a table to lay a drawing on. Neil adds that road manners were higher priority on the Ford program than they were with that raw, unadulterated Viper of the early 1990s. In the end, we got a better track car with very few compromises for the road. And there you have it everyone, those specs and their impressions goes to show you how underrated the Gen 3 Viper was from a performance and dynamic standpoint. Everyone loves the Ford GT, I love the Ford GT, but come on, the Viper was able to keep up with that thing? Holy mess! That alone proves that the Gen 3 Viper is way more dynamically capable than most people give it credit for. I mean, the car, for all intents and purposes, still has the engine in the front, yet in the slalom, it was only 1.1 miles per hour down on the mid-engine 4 GT. That is seriously impressive, considering that initial turn-in because the engine's in the front means that an FMR car, even an FMR car, just won't have the same kind of instant turn-in that a mid-engine car with no weight on the nose will have. It's weird to say that there's an underdog for a Viper because, well, since when is a Viper an underdog, but... Gen 3s are slept on. My god, Gen 3s are slept on! Given that, I mean, lordy. But there you go, learn something new every day. A Gen 3 Viper on a track, not a straight line, but on a track is as quick, is as fast as a Ford GT, at the very least, very nearly so. Who, who'd have thunk, right? Anyway, I hope you all enjoyed. If you did, please make sure to like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please make sure to like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. And if you do actually subscribe, thank you very much. Please make sure you hit the little notification bell, and then all notifications so you're notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but you don't have nor want the Podbean mobile app, hey, here's a solution. Boot up wherever you get your podcast before you set off. Type in Cody's Car Conundrum and then choose the episode you want to listen to. I will see you all next time. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.